Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to do Uncanny X-Men number 216, the April 1987 issue on sale, January 6th of 1987, cover price 75 cents, and it's titled Crucible. Yes, and on the cover of this, it's Storm getting ready to murder the Crimson Commando, and Wolverine is apparently getting ready to murder... Storm. Why do you say that? I don't know, because he's he's sauntering in the background. And, you know, I've noticed a, a, a little theme going on with Wolverine and Storm lately where he likes to hit her, and I don't think it's healthy. I don't know that he likes to hit her. <laughs> no, did I say likes? He has been. Uh, no, I, I don't know. It, the, He's he's in the background. He actually kind of looks like clip art that was just like kind of copied and pasted back there. He does. <laughs> uh, the the drawing of Storm going at Crimson Commando's throat is pretty good. It looks like Barry Windsor Smith. Actually, now that you say that, the background looks like color forms. <laughs> and like, you know, Barry Windsor Smith just put a Storm on there on top of a Crimson Commando, put a Wolverine in the back. Now, it, is this a BWS? Because I, I don't see his initials. And he yeah, did, it is. I mean, look at it. Come it, on. It, okay. So, I mean, if I'm looking at it and I had to guess and my life was on the line, I'd say BWS to this cover. But he didn't draw this issue and I don't see his trademark BWS anywhere. Um, I just verified it via the internet. The internet thinks he, he drew it. So I'm going to be okay with that. I'm so happy that I was able to recognize his art and be like, I don't even need to see initials, y'all. That's that's Barry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, you're right. Um, backgrounds definitely phoned in. Wolverine's a little phoned in, but, uh, the focus here is, uh, definitely on the grass and the foreground bushes, uh, and Storm and Crimson Commando. Although nobody draws Storm's mohawk like Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah. He likes to, he likes to put a lot of detail in there. I like his, uh, mohawk. I think, no, I guess there's a lot of Mohawk in this issue as I'm scanning through it. Yeah. But I don't know. I like his Mohawk the best. He does a good Mohawk. Uh, uh, what about uh, uh, Sylvester and Green? I guess we haven't really seen that yet. I, I bet you that combo does a good Mohawk. That's my jam right there. So it's hard for me to say anything bad about that. Yeah. <laughs> Your jam is Barry Windsor Smith or Sylvester and Green? Sylvester and Green. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, well, we, we reserve judgment, but for now, this is probably one of the one of the better Mohawks of all the artists that we've had so far. Indeed. And so we flip it open, and we, this is where you, you, you see the full page spread of Wolverine, and you're like, this isn't Barry Windsor Smith. What's no, happening this is, here? This is not promising. <laughs> it is Chris Claremont writing Jackson Juice and Dan Green, our, our artists, Glennis Oliver's coloring, Dan or, or Tom Orzakowski's the letter, and Asante's the editor, and Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dan Green probably tried to do everything in his power to fix this, but he was not not given much to work with. Now, Jackson Juice, normally pretty good, so yep. I'm, I'm going to assume he just he just had a bad drawing day. Yeah, this issue, for the most part, feels like a filler, and so maybe he was uh, pressed for time for some of these. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do an opening spread of Wolverine, it shouldn't be this. <laughs> I feel like it's photo-referenced, but, like, because he's in a weird position that's kind of hard to draw. He's sort of he's sort of squatting and crouching at the same time, and you sort of see the, an attempt at that. But man, it just looks it just looks misproportioned, and his legs are fat at the top and skinny at the bottom. And yeah, this, he doesn't look like a human being. No, I want to say He Man, but even He Man had a waist. Like this character has no waist. Uh, anyways, it's it, it, Wolverine. He's in a berserker rage. He's got his claws popped, and he's standing in the headlights because. He's he's like a deer in headlights. He's like a wild animal right now. He's run across the street, and a car's come by, and now he's he's hissing probably like a feral cat. And <laughs> the truck nails Wolverine, who goes flying off to the side. And uh, two people we meet, Marcy and uh, Phil. They're I don't know vacationing. Who cares? We never find out what they're doing. <laughs> they're they're driving, and it's the middle of the night. And uh, they they're like, we hit an animal. We should we should go. That animal seems scary, but now the car doesn't start. It doesn't look like we're going anywhere. Maybe they're camping because it looks like a camper in the back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, and so they, it's dark out and they're a little scared. The, uh, the car doesn't work. And then they hear Wolverine howling off in the distance and they're like, Oh my God, things sound scary. And I think they realized it was a man that they hit. And so they're kind of debating whether or not they should go find him and take him to the hospital. At first they think it's a man and then they hear the, the noise that he makes and then they decide it's not a man. It's not human. Right. And then we get a full page of Wolverine kind of running through the forest. Uh, a lot of dialogue about stuff. <laughs> Him being an it's animal. It's kind of silly. He runs off a cliff. It's just like, do da whoa! Even a wild animal doesn't generally run off a cliff like that. Even their instincts usually take over and make him swerve. But he falls off a cliff. He sees his claws. He's like, oh, I feel like a man, but I look like an animal. And then he howls, I guess, again at the moon. What drives him careening madly, wildly, mindlessly through the forest is a different kind of pain. The new album by U2. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you heard that new album by U2? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Enough said about that. <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I almost wonder why they play it on the radio. Is it like out of like uh, a, they feel like they're obligated to because it's U2? Or did the record company pay them a lot of money? Because I listened to that song on the radio. I'm like, this is not, this doesn't feel like it's of this era. I don't know how it works. I don't know. <laughs> I think money exchanges hands, but it just doesn't feel like. Did you listen to the deluxe version? Uh, yeah, I did. Because the, the last few tracks in the deluxe version actually sound like U2, which none of the rest of the album does. I recall liking the back half of that better than the first portion. Yeah, yeah. Enough, enough said. <laughs> it's, does it hurt? A little bit, right? Because they held this album back for so long because they wanted to get it just right. And then... The, and then when they draw, and that's not like I've been like weighted with bated breath, like with all of my expectations riding on this. Like, honestly, my expectations have been pretty low uh, over the last few albums. Like, I, I no line on the horizon, like did zero for me. Um, that was, I feel like that was a, uh, that was all that you can't leave behind. Uh, leave behind Redux. Like they were trying to repeat the success of that. And it's hit or miss. It, is, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not flat for me, but I didn't like the album before it at all. What's the album before it? The is that the uh, Atomic Bomb? It, yeah, that's the one. You know, and that see, that was I really tried to make myself like that album, <laughs> uh, and 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 subsequent re-listenings to it, I'm like, oh, there's like three songs on here, and the rest I don't like, and mm. I don't think I ever liked. Uh, and then I I I, I did like songs of innocence like i do actually like that quite a bit but yes and, and because of that i keep meaning to go back and listen to it another time but i don't i don't know if i'm ever gonna there's and look i'll be honest there's definitely some cheese going on in some of the lyrics and definitely some cheese in some of the choices that they made for uh elements of certain songs but every one of them like when you get past that has a decent hook that I look forward to when I listen to it. I get to like the sketchy part and I'm like, but then I know like right around the <laughs> band, like the hook's going to come and then I'm going to be right back into the song. So I will put that album on like once a month and I'll, I'll spin through it. But, uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen with experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the whole thing with experience is like, this should be like, this should be like your crowning jewel. Like the summation of everything you've ever done should be like contained within this album. And maybe that's the problem is that nobody can ever plan for that. So when you set yourself up for that, like you're probably just going to fail. You should have just called it like, here's another album. <laughs> right and then and then everybody's like okay i have no expectations for this or instead of putting out like <laughs> i'm gonna get negative instead of putting out like a lousy album after four years like put out two mediocre albums they should have called it you two tries to sound like anybody else anybody else yeah did you that say, guy sounds good let's sound like him did you say that maybe that album was trying to ape cold play a little just that one song okay. uh the the lead single i don't like that lead single so, Whatever it was called. I, it, 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 it sounded to me like a Coldplay song. That's the one where uh, you're the best thing that happened. Yeah, that's I, it. Oh, I just, ugh. <laughs> I don't like that song. It makes me angry. 
Okay. Well, we could uh, probably talk about this for an entire podcast worth. No, I'm done. But, Let's move it on. Uh, okay. S- Storm's hanging out with Priscilla. Remember Priscilla? She's the junkie that started this whole problem with, with her and Super Saber and Stonewall and Crimson Commando. She's the bad egg. Yeah. And she's thinking to herself, like, this drug addict, I should leave her behind. But I can't do that because I'm Storm. Yeah. And Storm starts setting up a trap because she found some fishing line, and her plan is to create uh, tie tie the string to a um, limb, and then have another piece that she can hold on to. And when Super Saber runs by, he'll be decapitated. Pretty much. And uh, Priscilla's like, "Yeah, now we're talking." And Storm's like, "I do not do this because it. I want to. It's because it's necessary." So she's trying to impart a lesson on Priscilla, uh, but Priscilla don't care. <laughs> no prob, sister. If you got a case of the squeams, I'll whack the geezer. Yeah. And whack then... Whack the geezer. Whack the geezer. <laughs> That's what they should have called the new U2 album, Whack the Geezer. Whack the geezer. <laughs> Is that... What's the concert? Is everybody just up there beating Bono up the side <laughs> of the head? Well, I wasn't going to go that far, but sure. <laughs> or, or is that on the Jumbotron, like a, a pre-staged <laughs> video? So he doesn't have to get beaten every concert, just just once, and then they just play it for each one of the shows. Right. See, the thing about that, though, is like it doesn't really matter, I guess, what they end up recording, because they're going to continue to f- fill stadiums across the world. Well, they're, they're, they're good. I mean, you know, they're just not going to play any of their new crap. They will. They always do. So what well, I yeah, and that's when people go to the bathroom. There has to be those bathroom filler right. songs. What I found interesting was uh, when they did their Songs of Innocence and Experience tour. I looked at the playlist because generally, you know, when the new album drops, you have four or five songs from the new album that you play, and then then your back catalog that you reach into. Uh, and generally, generally speaking, almost all of your albums are represented within that back catalog. Um, zero from No Line on the Horizon was on the very next tour, which mm. which I thought was interesting. Usually, they have a song or two carry over that you know that they bring well, over, but they didn't. Were there any real hits from that album? There was that Boots song, which I hated. <laughs> I mean, honestly, were there? What was the, what's the last? Not excluding the current album because it's out now. What's the last? hit that they had what do you define as a hit like there's songs there's two songs from every album that they've put on the radio are those hits mm, only only if i can remember them oh <laughs> okay so so you're the the hit uh counter like uh, okay the last album that i remember the hits off of are all is all that you leave can all that you can leave behind what is the what are the hits off of the next one uh how to atomic bomb how to how to uh, that vertigo was on that one right i didn't like that song it's a hit though it is a hit definitely a hit okay so that was probably their last hit i would agree with that i think i would agree with that like uh if you went and talked to somebody uh who, who is 20 years or older and you said you remember vertigo they'd be like yeah i remember vertigo but if you went to somebody who's uh 20 and said hey do you remember get on your boots <laughs> they'd be like i I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know why you're asking me this, but I feel a little uncomfortable right now. So, yeah, yeah. What were we talking about? So, Storm uh, is about to decapitate somebody. Yes, they're sitting in the bushes, and they they hear or see Super Saber coming, and and Storm has a moment of like, "What am I doing? This isn't. I'm not Wolverine." And Priscilla's like, "What? Hey, what are you doing? I'll I'll do it." And she goes to grab the string and. And Storm is like, no, let him pass. And she prevents Priscilla. Well, she doesn't kill Super Saber. She prevents Priscilla from killing Super Super Saber. Uh, so she says, uh, whose side are you on? We could have nailed that creep. And Storm says, my decision, my responsibility. And then uh, Priscilla says, real white of you, blood. What does that mean? You know, I had a suspicion you were going to ask me that and I was going to look it up like and I didn't <laughs> but I, I knew that this was going to happen uh, and I have like a vague understanding of like what it means like it doesn't mean like black or white skinned it's more like like real you know real innocent of you or, or real stand up of you like white knight sort of thing yes I think that's probably the probably where the term came from I was assuming it was a race thing but okay that that makes sense no. In this context, I do not believe it's a race thing. 
it's just old timey language that Chris Claremont slipped in here from a from a drug pushing youngster. Yeah, who who would definitely never say this. <laughs> uh, but she does say, you know, this isn't a game. There aren't any rules. All that matters is survival. And Priscilla is right. Like there are three super powered people trying to kill him. They take off to a uh, across a ridge and. Stormthrite's thinking to herself about how the X-Men have always stood for ideals and uh, she's supposed to exemplify their beliefs. And it's not that the saving the girl is the right thing to do, but abandoning her is just totally wrong. So she's, she's made her cake and now she's lying in it. What? <laughs> she's made her bed and now she's going to eat it. <laughs> she's going to turn the other foot. I'm sticking to what I said. <laughs> she's made her cake and now she's going to sleep in it. I like that. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, we flip our attention over to Muir Island where apparently the X-Men did not phone ahead uh, and they've just arrived to uh, much to Moira McTaggart's uh, chagrin. Well, there's a reason they're, they didn't phone ahead because they're, they're on their, uh, they're on edge. Sure. Well, and Moira's like, what the bloody hell is going on here? Oh, X-Men. I mean, who else is going to show up in an SR-71 <laughs> out of the blue in the first thing in the morning? And Psylocke scans uh, the entire compound, and all she finds are Dr. McTaggart and all the people that are supposed to be there. Which I guess would be Jamie Madrox and Banshee, right? Anybody else? Um, what about Legion? Would he well, be there? Well, all, all, all of the people from, yeah, Legion would be there. Um, the Anybody that's already been hospitalized. Oh, right, right, right. That's that right. That they already picked up. How did Moira get back? I don't know. Mm. The, you know, they teleported her. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. This time with her clothes on. Yes. She's much happier about that this so yes they get out and uh rogues all mad because the team is split up everybody on the double do your scout job you go there you go there and then they're the team is pretty clumsy dazzler falls out of the ship and Longshot catches her and uh that's that's when rogue kicks the ground and says, trouble is we need uh wolverine and storm as badly with with uh we need them as badly with us there's too much to do, Moira, and no time to do it. And they're the ones we depend on most. Our teachers, our leaders, without them, we're crippled. Without us to back them up in case they get ambushed by the marauders, their history. What I want to know is why is Dazzler trying to come out of the top of the airplane? Like, it makes sense that Rogue does because she can fly. But doesn't this thing have, like, a hatch or something that they can walk down, or like a ramp? It's a great question. I'm assuming it's just to show that they're new and clumsy but <laughs> i i don't really don't know long shot had no problem getting out of the airplane but but dazzler she fell <laughs> but yes of course she fell she's trying to climb off the top of the airplane <clears throat> anyways uh crimson commando and stonewall have a little powwow over by the uh line where yeah they noticed that they they storm set a trap but but she didn't actually commit to it um and then there's this silly they talk about whether or not she's innocent or or whatever. Uh, and then there's a very silly scene where the Crimson Command... No, wait. Who is it? Who's the fast guy? Uh, Super Saber. S Super Saber is running to meet them, and they're, somehow the trap has been sprung. Uh, I, th I thought Storm was holding it, though. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. So somehow Crimson Commando sets up the trap in a better way than Storm does, where it doesn't need anybody to hold it. Right. And now uh, Super Saber is running towards it, and Stonewall has to get in the way. Otherwise, he'll accidentally cut his head off. I, I believe this is just to show Super Saber, it's so they can communicate with Super Saber and let uh, them know, that, let him know that Storm didn't kill him. Right. Uh, or they were just trying to fill pages <laughs> because the other thing that works is super saber saying hey there's my buddies i'm gonna stop and have a chat with them oh really storm didn't kill me huh that's interesting well i'm gonna go head off to the rocky ravine now well this is more yeah okay <laughs> I, I don't know i feel like a lot of this is page filler it is i mean I, I i don't feel like this is a filler issue on the whole but yeah this was definitely a filler scene uh, I, I do not think they could have done this issue and the last issue in one issue because I do. <laughs> okay, that that's a valid point, and I agree with you. 
but I still think this story is is important. Um, but yeah. yeah, they probably could have done it in in one book instead of two. So Super Saber heads up to this rocky cliff, and he's thinking all about stuff too. And I guess he's lost in his thought when Storm is able to surprise him because he stops um, and. He tackles him to the bottom of the hill. Because he assumes that he got there before Storm. The last thing he thinks is, I wonder, could she have beat me up here? Nah, not a chip. Hey! I have him. And so they go tumbling down the cliff. And that's when Priscilla's like... Uh, okay, here's a problem. Yeah. Storm thinks, I have him. To which Priscilla responds, big deal. That's a good point. She responds to Storm's thought bubble. I mean, technically, it's not a response... You could argue that, but it's it's put in such a way that it feels like a response. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. Or you could look at it like she sees this happening and she's like, big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, good show, but she's not going to kill them. And as long as they're alive, they're just going to try and kill us. So she's like, what can I do? Hey, look, there's a loose rock. So she pushes it, which creates a landslide. Uh, and she doesn't care who gets buried underneath it, Storm and Super Saber. As long as Super Saber dies, that's all she really cares about. And Storm says, Priscilla, what? Run, man, while you have a chance. And we see what looks like both of them get smushed by a pile of rocks. Because uh, Super Saber cannot get a footing in order to speed away. Right. And so, meanwhile, back at uh, Phil and Marcy. Marcy, yep. They, they're working on the car. And uh, it's Marcy under the hood and Phil trying to get it started. Uh, they do finally fire it up. Wolverine is lurking in the shadows when Priscilla shows up and she's like, boy, I'm happy to see you. I guess I should mention that Phil gave Marcy a gun at some point, I think. Uh, I think it's, well, I don't know. Uh, Phil says, Marcy, trust me, there are no boogeymen in these woods. You won't need your pistol. So it's her pistol. Okay. But they do make a point of like, hey, she's got a gun. Priscilla is able to get close enough to grab Marcy, grab the gun, and shoot Phil. And then she turns the gun on Marcy and's like, I killed him, and I'm going to kill you. And she does. So we knew she was bad, but whoa. This is really bad. I mean, this seems unnecessary because she could be like, hey, I... I'm stranded out here. Well, yeah, I guess she does kind of look like a drug-addled weirdo. So she doesn't want to take a chance of not getting a ride somewhere. But she could have tried. They had just gotten the car started, too. So after killing both of them, she is able to drive away. Wolverine has viewed all this. Now, he's still in his kind of animalistic berserker state, and he is unable or unwilling or incapable of doing anything. Uh, and he just gets angry and pops his claws while the, the murder happens. And he goes, Grar, which Priscilla hears right before she runs away. And she says, I better get out of here. Maybe I should shoot it, but why take that risk? Yeah. I got wheels. I'll use them. So long, chumps. Wolverine walks down and just kind of stands in between the two dead bodies. It's a nice, it's a nice shot. Nice, yeah. nice image of Wolverine. Yep. It's better than the cover. Or the first page, rather. Uh, Stonewall and Crimson Commando have made their way to the rocky cliff's base. They they see the avalanche remnants, as well as Storm's vest and Marty's headgear. They're both bloody. But they don't find bodies. They do not find bodies. And apparently, the car was not all that fixed because, well, what's weird is they says she says, uh, stupid truck, I was home free. Why did it have to break? But... It's like crashed into a pond. I guess it it died and she lost control of it. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Like, did she drive it into a pond? She's like, stupid truck. I almost <laughs> made it home. Or did, yes, she lose all power and for some reason steer it into a pond. I was taking the best shortcut ever. <laughs> Just right on the other side of this pond is a city. And uh, she... She's panicking and then a gloved hand grabs her. It's a and... surprise. And it's 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 a uh, it's interesting technique. We're not supposed to know who the gloved hand is, so they they color it peach. I don't like that. I'm okay with it. Do you think that they did that to mask whose hand it is, or is it just a coloring error? I'm not. Well, if we saw that it was a white glove, we would know that it was Storm. Right. As as much as if we saw that it was a black hand, we would know that it was Storm. 
So I don't know. I'm I'm thinking they probably miscolored it on purpose. Or it's kind of cheating, but or does it's Stonewall? Actually, if flipping forward, Stonewall doesn't wear gloves. He has white hands. So maybe yeah, it's not same, a color. Same, same with Crimson Commando. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> Priscilla's laying next to the crashed in the pond truck. Uh, yeah, this is this is later. And Stone, oh, I see. It wasn't Stonewall. Well, this is weird. No, it was Storm. It was Storm. Spoilers. Yeah. So Stonewall is like, oh, there she is. And now I can, I can get her. Uh, but Storm is able to get the jump on him and throw him into the water. So it was Storm's peach colored glove hand that knocked Priscilla out. Hmm. Right. Weird. Anyhow, um, apparently Stonewall's in quicksand. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> there's a couple of missteps in this issue. Yeah. And having Storm throw Stonewall into quicksand is one of them, but it, it provides him her an opportunity to save his life. Yeah. Um, in which he, he even says, don't be a fool, woman, you're not strong enough. And she is strong enough. She helps him out. And Priscilla now having, they're both, they're both uh, Storm and Stonewall having been pulled each other out of the quicksand are now extremely tired and Priscilla wakes up and grabs a rock and is about to smash it over uh, Storm's head when she is stabbed in the gut by a knife from Crimson Commando. And then he faces off with Storm and is like, your turn, miss, as if he's going to throw a knife at her. And we get Wolverine crouching in the shadows, finally back to normal, says, I'd reconsider that course of action, bub, if I were you. Crimson Commando hurls a knife at Wolverine, but he's able to block it with ease with his claws. He hurls both his knives. The other one goes towards Storm, and she's able to catch it. Yep. And uh, Wolverine talks about the girl who killed some people back there. He's like, well, I guess the odds are evened or something. I don't know these clowns. Want me to take him, boss, or do we call things quit and go our separate ways? Not that easy. So Storm and Crimson Commando fight. I don't why why is this like they have a grudge match here, but I wasn't really clear on why. Is it because Crimson Commander's kind of or Commando's acting like the leader? Um well I think it's because they're kind of the last men standing, if you will. And there's also this little theme of Storm being uh she she mentions that, you know, for the eight hundredth time she doesn't have her powers. Yeah. And this is kind of reinforcing the fact that, hey, she's still a pretty skilled fighter. Right. Okay. She's able to take on a super being. So they yeah, she exactly. All that happens, uh, and they fight and Wolver or Storm is able to hit him across the head, grab his knife before he's able to, jump on top of him, and she goes in for the crushing stab. But instead of getting him in the face with the knife, she stabs over his head, and he's like, what? You didn't? I'm not dead? Why would you do this? She says it can quickly change, and the deal is um, we'll kill you, or you turn yourselves in. Yep. And Stonewall says, she's bluffing, and... Wolverine says, guess again, bub, and then thinks to himself, blazes, this time she really isn't. She means every flame and word. Yeah. Not sure how I know that. He can sense it with his animal-like instincts. Oh, okay. And uh, I'll buy that, sure. <laughs> why not? And I mean, the, 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 the context here is that uh, in addition to Storm having almost killed Crimson Commando, apparently she has the knife angled in such a way that like one false move and she's going to slice his throat wide open. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I don't know. He can hear it in her she, voice or something. She's a master blade user. Sure. And yes, you have to turn yourself in and we'll let you go. They kind of debate over it for a while and then they decide they're going to do it. And uh, the next day, Storm and Wolverine are outside New York State Police where they do do it. Uh, turn themselves in, that is. I guess I guess uh, Fast Guy is dead. Super Saber, I mean, Super Saber is not even mentioned after Marty's headgear. So we could assume he's dead or, you know, maybe he'll make a miraculous recovery. Who's to say? The internet will say. Oh, I know the answer to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> Sorry, he's not dead. Okay. Ah, uh, yes, they all reappear in an upcoming issue. Yes, okay. yes, they do. But not Priscilla Morrison. This is her last appearance. <laughs> Uh, Storm says something about 
we need to do better. We need to trust each other. We're all damaged. Uh, she also talks about, like, we need to stop reacting to our enemies, such as the Marauders. We need to bring the fight to their door. And then Wolverine's like, well, have you considered the ramifications of all this? I don't know. Oh, yeah. These hunters rationalize what they did with the noble of his intentions. We're on that same road, cruising along that same abyss. We got lucky last night. Don't count on it ever again. If we live and fight by those hunters' rules, how do we keep from becoming like them? Or you told Commando you were better. How do we stay that way? Right. Good question, Wolverine. Not answered. Nope. That's the end Next of the issue. issue. First appearance of Gambit. Oh, no, wait. Next issue, Folly's Gambit. <laughs> yes. This is the... Chris Claremont has used the title or the word Gambit in other titles, hasn't he? He absolutely has because we've made that exact same joke. So he, he likes the word Gambit. It's an alert, alliterative word, I guess. He's probably just... It's, it's like in one of his cliff notes. Gambit. Yeah. Hmm. When in doubt, use Gambit. <laughs> Folly's Respite. Folly's Gamble. Folly's Gambit. Done. Chris Claremont, I'm a genius. That's what he says to himself when he goes to bed at night. I did it when, again. When he, when these old-timey heroes showed up, he was probably like, is this the time to use a character named Gambit? Mm, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Hold off, Chris. Almost. Soon. Soon your time will come. <laughs> uh, no... Real communication this week, but that's fine. We have a lot more yet to cover. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, though, you can do so at uh, by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Uh, follow us at Danger Room Go. You can email us at dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. That's right. We have a new email address. It is dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Honestly, if you email the old one, it'll still work, but we would prefer branding. So dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, follow, uh, find the podcast section, type in Danger Room, or the first thing that shows up. You can leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. And our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. I read X-Factor number 14. Ooh. Angel's frickin' wings got cut off. What? Yeah, they were all gangreening and... The state had ruled that uh, Warren was not able to make decisions on his own behalf. And since he didn't have like a, a beneficiary or something, the state was able to rule that his wings needed to come off because I think he needed to stand trial for some of the way his money holdings and X Factor were tied in together. So, yeah, Warren Worthington going down. Uh, Scott's up in Alaska mourning um, uh, Madeline. Uh, he saw a body that looked like Madeline's body. And so he vowed that uh, he wasn't there when she died. So he's going to find out who killed Madeline and make them pay. Even though Angel, who's alive right now, could really use some more friends. And Scott's like, you don't get it. Madeline, I got to do this for Madeline. The Morlocks are heading back to the tunnels. Uh, Mask causes some some shenanigans with the team and he leaves. Um, now, let's see what else here happens. Um, uh, Cyclops kind of has one of, well, I shouldn't say one of his last, but he has some more visions. So over the last few issues of x-factor he was having visions of the professor kind of scolding him uh phoenix taunting him and now he's having delusions of a dead madeline Pryor, i believe who's saying like yeah you could stay around and and uh uh um, get revenge for my death but your buddy angel he's hurting he's dying he's gonna kill himself why would you stay here if 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 he's still alive and needs your help and that's when Cyclops is like, oh my god, I gotta go back to New York. But it doesn't matter. It's too late. Uh, Angel, well, I'll just jump, cut to the chase. Angel gets in a helicopter and he causes it to explode over the ocean. But not before we get a little bit of uh, more Apocalypse who introduces three of his four horsemen. Pestilence, War, and Famine, who we met earlier as he uh, snatched them up from various locations over the last four or five issues 
and he does allude to the time is almost right for my fourth horseman, death. Uh, also, I should mention that Beast wants to blow off a little bit of steam and do a practice session with Iceman, and Iceman's like, I don't know, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to go off somewhere and think, and he gets disappeared. He gets zapped into Thor. Thor number 377 is, is where he gets zapped to. Uh, and yes, uh, Cyclops arrives at the airport and he's like, oh my God, my buddies X-Factor are here. I, they didn't have to send the chopper out to come pick me up. This is amazing. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Angel's up there. And Angel's airplane explodes. Just like in Dark Knight Rises when Batman took the Batcopter and took the bomb out to yes. the uh, thing and it blew up. He survived. He did. Even though he so told... I- Everybody, he couldn't. I, I bet Angel's. I bet Angel's going to survive. Right. So yes, was that that was Batman Returns? Didn't he also do that in uh, the comic book series, the Frank Miller comic book series? Oh, it's been a while. The what's that one called? Uh, Which the, the Dark it? Knight Returns or the or the other one, Batman Year One? No, no, no. The, uh, uh, the uh, Batman Returns, Dark Knight Returns, the one in the like. The one that's kind of like in the future, even though President Reagan's still the, well, the president. Yeah, that's that's Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, okay, that's Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Uh, doesn't he also explode, but that's just a cover for him to go over, underground and create new Batmans? Oh, I, don't, I, I, I need to reread that. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's really good. It's got two sequels. Does it? I've not read, the, I've not read those sequels. It's got DK2, okay. um, which is kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's pretty weird. It's aged well, surprisingly, but at the time it was like, what is this? Uh, and then more recently, he didn't actually draw the latest one, but I think Andy Kubert or one of the Kubert brothers did. Um, and Brian Azzarello co-wrote it. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Hmm. I'll have to check Dark Knight 3, let's say. Let's call it Dark Knight 3. All right, I'll have to check that out one of these days. Anyways, yeah, so that brings us to the events of Thor 377, which I don't know. Here's my summation. Like, Loki's got this plot, and it involves turning Iceman into, like, a freezing capacitor. Yeah, essentially. I mean, he is using points of uh, Iceman's power that Iceman wasn't even aware that he was capable of. Yes. Well, it's like levels of his power that he wasn't aware that he had access to right like even even he's like oh my god you're making me freeze so much that even i'm cold yeah yeah the cold i can't stand it stop what you're doing and he uses it to make a bunch of giants grow really large but Uh, i guess it's addictive so they come after him more ice Meanwhile, Thor's doing Thor stuff, but somehow, oh, he, Thor almost dies, I guess. And then Loki beams Thor over to where Iceman is. So we're all together at the end. Yeah. And I guess this goes on for like two more issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iceman is, is in Thor for the next two issues, which now we, now we get to learn where he went. Yeah, assuming didn't... you've, ne- assuming you've never read this stuff. I've never read this stuff. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> And I didn't really read much of this because it was all very Asgardy, Loki, Thor stuff. Uh, I read the whole thing. It was okay. I mean, you know, it was it was. Uh, if you don't really know what's going on, it's, it's just a lot of Thor stuff. Thor's Thor's creating. Thor's still under that uh, Hela curse. Okay. So they he gets he gets damage uh, now, and but he never heals. So he's super weak. I think somebody like broke him, broke, broke, broke many of his bones. So he's walking around with permanently broken bones. Okay. Sounds awesome. So he, he decides to build himself some super armor. Okay. And the, uh, you remember the, the second Thor movie with the, the elves? I was not able to get through the second Thor movie. Do you at least remember the elves? No. Okay, the bad guys in the second Thor movie were the Dark Elves, and they try to kill Thor in this issue, and they almost do, and Loki sees Thor almost die, and that's when he beams him up, and that's that's basically the, the summary of that story. Iceman, wee! <laughs> and finally, little New Mutants number 51. New Mutants number 51, um, the, it opens up, I love this first page because, um, you know, the New Mutants are gone, uh, the mansion is abandoned. And we cut to the desk, and Magneto has penciled in his Hellfire Club appointment at 2.15. Uh, 
into his schedule book, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> he's got uh, he's got photos, one of which I assume is Lee Forrester. You think so, the third to the or the second to the left is? Yeah, who else could it be? Because he's got the New Mutants. He's got Charles himself and that woman who is Legion's father or mother. Oh I yeah, 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 and then. Scarlet Witch and Scarlet Witch's baby. Yep. I have no reason not whoops to believe that it's Lee Forrester. I actually kind of thought it was Gene at first, but that wouldn't make any sense. Well, that's creepy. <laughs> it would be very creepy. Well, I mean, presumably this used to be the professor's desk, and we know that he had a crush on Gene for a while. I think these are Magneto-centric things. Okay, we'll call it Lee Forrester. I, I just can't think of who else it would be if this is Magneto stuff. It's if it's Gene, it's creepy no matter what. <laughs> maybe maybe it's Lorna Dane. Uh, it could be. <laughs> that that would be weird. Uh, yeah. I suppose. What do we think? Is do we think that Lorna Dane is Magneto's child at this point, or have we talked about that? I don't know. We we can't remember. Had conversations about this, but I I always forget. Uh, I always forget. And uh, she may have thought she was Magneto's child but then magneto at the time was a robot so maybe it all got confused anyway uh the star jammers are repairing their ship and professor Wait, x the who? is the who oh <clears throat> the star jammers no the i'm sorry who star jamming across the universe jammers i that's uh, that's where's the passion where's the love where's the feeling i'm trying something new i'm giving it a little what if i give it like a robot beat they don't like it. No? Uh, well, they're going to be around for a little while. Um, actually, they might be gone by the next issue. I think this is it, man. This is like your last opportunity for a while. Of course, I've said that before because I didn't really realize they made reappearances in the New Mutants. But You know, last episode, I, I really nailed it. So I don't, I feel like, you know, I can, I can kind of coast on this one. Your fans are... <laughs> waiting uh, that, that's, you gotta leave them waiting they you leave them wanting more or you leave them disappointed your choice your choice <laughs> i'm starting my own star jammers podcast where all <laughs> every episode is just me singing the theme song <laughs> i can't wait to subscribe to that <laughs> all right star jammers jamming across the universe star jammers there you go finally it wasn't really <laughs> quite as good as last episode though I, I told you it wasn't going to be. You should have left well enough alone. Oh, <laughs> you're the worst. Yeah. It's uh, all, right. all things aside, this is this is actually kind of a fun issue. This was kind of a fun issue. Yes, uh, it, it's a good one. Uh, interesting artwork by what, Joseph Nolan. Is that his name? He's got a... Uh, Kevin, just... Kevin Nolan, sorry. Kevin Nolan. Yes. And it took me a while to find his credit because in the normal credit box, you just have letters and colors and everything. And and then created by Chris Claremont, I'm like, who drew this? Because at first I was like, was this kind of like a weird Mike Mignola thing? Uh, But it's not. And then finally in like a text box, that's like not really very obvious. We get this special issue of the New Mutants brought to you by Chris Claremont and Kevin Nolan. It's offbeat. It's different. And we know you're going to love it, pussycat. <laughs> okay, the pussycat part's not there. That's true. But I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Every sentence should be ended with pussycat. Pussycat. It's Marvel in the 70s, pussycat. <laughs> yeah. So Professor X mind melds with the New Mutants to witness what's happened in the last few issues we get the uh, the page that you're talking about, a t- massive two-page spread where we finally get to see the bodies. There's a lot of them, too. And there's way too many bodies. There wasn't this many Morlocks in the in the sewers. No. I feel like the new mutants are just exaggerating. The professor's like, good God, I can't believe all the carnage. <laughs> he also sees the X-Men returning, and some of them are in bad shape. And he sees X-Factor, and that's the worst of all. And he flips out. Worse than the 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 hundreds. He just saw hundreds of bodies, and he's like, "What's going on with X Factor?" And he really focuses on X Factor. They are my worse f- than worse than the, his his students are dying, and he's just like, "Uh, X Factor are dealing with mutants speedily, effectively," is what the caption says. Well, but it says. They're my original students. No, I guess, yeah. He doesn't go into, why are they hunting mutants? He says, how could those five have become the foes of the very people I brought them together to protect? He does not say anything about 
hey, is that Jean? Yeah, right. <laughs> that redheaded woman who I saw die. Is that Jean? Or uh, anything else like, boy. Or how about, how about something like, I should, really, uh, I should really dig into what's going on here. Well, he, he is in space. More often, things are, you know, not what they seem. Right. Uh, but there, he's in space, so he doesn't really have the opportunity, nor does he ever see the opportunity of getting back to Earth to be able to ask those questions. Well, that's what he has to do. He decides, based on based on this X-Factor thing, basically, that he has to return to Earth. The, all the dead Morlocks and the X-Men, you know, he's okay with that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Storm is in this issue. I believe that this could occur after the events of 215. Yeah, well, I, I guess they must have. That's what we're saying they did. Yeah. So Storm and Magneto, uh, they're saving some ship for some reason. They dis- they they discuss they're basically discussing the prospect of joining the Hellfire Club. I don't think they're saving the ship so much as they're like dredging it up from the bottom and repurposing it as a break wall. Oh, okay. They're building a dam. Yeah. Apparently, like the waves are crashing in on this little village or whatever. And it looks to me like Magneto is taking this old ship and reforming it into girders and panels to create a break wall so that the waves don't wash away the city. Oh, they do refer to it as a derelict liner. How did it get above the water? Was it under the water or was it just floating around? It was probably under the water. I don't know. Well, whatever. The point of this scene is that they want, they're talking about joining the Hellfire Club. Storm thinks it's a great idea because then the X-Men get access to a wealth of information and Magneto is worried that it might cause him to go turn into a bad guy again. And Storm yeah. says, nah. Nah. So back to the professor. The uh, New Mutants help the... Star Jammers, jamming across the universe, Star Jammers, repair their ship, and Landra sucker punches Hepzibah because she said something kind of jerky. I guess she's had it coming. I don't really know. This is the first we're actually seeing of their contentious relationship. Yeah. Rot luck been ours full measure since you joined. Whatever that means. Rot luck? Rot luck. (laughs) Been ours full measure. Should I name this character Gambit or Rot luck? Hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't think her name is Rotluck. I think she's just saying we've had rotten luck. Rotluck. Oh no, I, I know, but I'm just oh, thinking okay, like, okay. when when Chris Claremont was like creating Gambit, it's like we're calling this character Rotluck because I really <laughs> like that. What about what about Gambit? What about you use Gambit? that a lot. <laughs> oh, but if I name a character Gambit, can I name any more titles Gambit? <laughs> um. There's a subplot where magic is free of her evil sorcery side, and she so she wants to she wants to stay on the Star Jammer uh, with the Star Jammers jamming across the universe. Star Jammers, mm-hmm. uh, and then the professor, in a total jerk move, forces Karma to take over her mind so that the team can go back home, which causes the sorcery side to come back. The professor sucks. Yeah, he's a jerk. He's a, he's real bad in this one. I mean, he he justifies it by saying. Don't you guys want to go home? It's like, well, you could fly home, maybe. I don't know. You don't have to go home now. Give the girl a break. Basically, every everything from here on out is the professor's fault in regards to magic. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, uh, what's what's the what's the big one where all the demons come out? Inferno. Inferno. Professor's fault. Yep, I agree. Uh, the Star Jammers jamming across the universe get attacked by the Shi'ar spaceships. Well, they're just Shi'ar, right? They're her people. Right, but she's a empress in exile. Right, it's her her sister is the new empress. Right, and um, the rest of the book is basically about how the star jammers are totally useless without the professor because he basically tells them what to do and where to fly by getting in all their heads and knowing everything. It's kind of like a like a um, um, Battlestar Galactica scenario where like this giant army is tracking them at, at, at every turn and the professor is able to mentally project uh where the next attack is coming and telling the star jammers like go over here uh but then like the battalion or whatever follows them or is able to find their coordinates or whatever and so the professor's like well if i leave these guys will die and if i right. stay the whole, the whole plot of this issue is to get the professor to stay in stay in space right but if i stay my students will be at risk but magneto's not that bad of a guy oh <laughs> He ultimately decides to stay with the star jammers jamming across the universe. Oh, 
That was you giving <laughs> your, your all. You should. That's all I got. You should After have this. It's all, it's over. You should have a drink of water or something. That that was the uh, that was the reunion tour. That was the final encore of the reunion yeah, tour. That was the the farewell tour reunion tour. And the way that the professor gets the new mutants back is very traditional, Professor Xavier. He has he mentally amplifies karma's power to possess uh iliana to teleport everybody back because iliana doesn't want to do this right and then they make it back to the mansion professor is not there and iliana's like just she's mad oh my yeah, she free- she's she's rightfully ticked off yeah you you possessed me and you let the professor push you into possessing me. I don't like you and I have a sword and I'll cut you. Uh, first, I'm going to go to limbo and be mad. You're, you're, her, her, her so-called friends suck. Yes. Um, so then Storm and Magneto join the Hellfire Club jointly, which I did not know. I didn't know that either. So, so they are both the White King Yeah. somehow. Does that get dropped? Is Storm always the White King? I honestly, like, after this, like, I don't personally catch up to the Hellfire Club until the pages of Astonishing X-Men. And even that's not really the Hellfire Club. So I have no idea what happens next. Oh. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, there's a little story here about Magneto putting on the White King outfit and being like, this isn't me. I need to be me. I gotta be me. So he puts. And he rips on off his shirt and exposes his gut. Yeah, and like he's never really been portrayed as a, a portly old man, but he is here. It's odd. It's very odd. Normally he's a, like a muscular fifty-year-old, but nope, not here. So the ceremony happens, and they are now officially the White King, Storm, and uh, Magneto. Sebastian kind of poo-poo's the the that they're wearing their own outfits and not the traditional white king outfits, but Magneto says, "Take us as we are, or don't take us at all." And uh, Sebastian has thoughts about getting them to be true Hellfire members and no longer heroes. And Celine has secret thoughts about Shaw and the X Men destroying each other and her taking over. And uh, Emma Frost has no secret thoughts about where's that Scott fellow? He was so handsome. <laughs> I could see having a relationship with him one day. Uh, yes. And then Magneto says for better or for worse, this unholy alliance is forged and only the fates know if it will save us or prove our total destruction. I don't yep. think it's going to be total destruction, but I don't think it's going to end well. Uh, the next few issues of, of new mutants are, Definitely include the Hellfire Club, so we'll, we'll find out. Although we got to get an annual out of the way. Is it a pertinent annual? Not at all. No. Okay. <laughs> I will probably cover it next episode with a sentence. Perfect. I won't See even if I can read it. Summarize that sentence. <laughs> Alrighty then. That covers it for this episode of the danger room and until next time my name is jeremy my name's adam and the danger room is closed (laughs) 